study tonight is out of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26, verse 1, In that day the song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city, and God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. In that day it starts. In that day this chapter starts. In that day. We'll see that a lot in Isaiah. In that day, this phrase in that day, or in, throughout the Bible, and uh, often referring to that day, that glorious day, the day of the Lord's return, the day of the Lord's salvation, the day of the Lord's, and culminating in not a single 24-hour period of day, but, but the span of the last day events from between uh, this earth till the New Jerusalem and, and heaven eternal, and the events that take place within that time frame. And we'll see several of those events within this just one this, this one chapter. So it starts again, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah, right? So, so among God's people will be praising, we have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls, right? Not walls of stone, not walls of brick and mortar, but walls of salvation will be our strength. Our protection is in God's salvation, in Yeshua, in our Messiah. His salvation provided for us. His sacrifice provided for us. He is our salvation. He is our protection. He is our walls. We're secure in that. And then verse 2, open the gates at the righteous nation, which keeps the truth. God's keepers of his truth. God has truth, the truth, who keeps the truth. There is truth. Regardless that today the popular mantra is that there is no truth or that there's lots of truth. And you can have your truth and we can have our truth and they can have their truth. And there's lots of truth. And all the truths and all the paths lead to heaven. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the truth. Some people say hate it when you get dogmatic that there is truth, that there is the Bible, that there is the truth. I think the problems of the world today is because a lot of different religions say they got the truth. But if they don't, then I mean, if there's lots of truth, then what's the sense of doing anything? Right? What's the sense of believing anything? But there is right and there is wrong, and that's brought out throughout this chapter. The righteous nation, a nation of people group that are righteous in God's sight because they keep the truth. They're the ones who may enter in. It's not open for everybody and anybody. It's for those who not only believe the truth, not only have heard the truth, but who keep the truth. Keep it in their heart, keep it in their life, keep it in their actions. Motivated and empowered by it, the truth they may enter into. Open the gates. And this is uh, reminiscent in, in Psalm uh, 24, where it says, uh, lift up your gate, lift up you gates, and let the king enter in. Be ye lifted up. And open up the gates that the king of glory may enter in. Who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory? 
Lord mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And so the gates have opened up for him. He has entered in after he paid his sacrifice and paid for us and provided salvation for us. The gates were open to him. And those same gates will be open to us, the righteous nation that keeps the truth. Who enter in through the gates and through the walls, into the walls of salvation and protected by God. So that's the end result, and now the rest of the chapter kind of then goes back and then teaches us how to get there, how to get into those gates, how to be that righteous nation, what is his truth, and how to keep his truth. Verse 3, you, referring to God, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is such a powerful verse. I mean, this verse, I mean, it, you know, basically, if we didn't have anything else in the Bible, this would be a verse to keep. Right, so this is a good one to memorize. If the Bibles are ever taken away from us, we have this one in our mind. If they're ever separated from God or separated from God's Word, I mean, separated from, you know, whatever, thrown in prison, captured somewhere, whatever, taken away. Keep this one in your mind. You, God, will keep him in perfect peace. I have a close friend, uh, Juanita, and uh, she was experiencing severe depression. Uh, she, she was just afraid and terrified to leave her house, uh, terrified to be alone. Uh, her husband would, would go shopping. She'd go with him, but she'd stay in the car. She didn't want to be at home alone, and, and so she'd go to the store with him, but then she didn't want to go in the store, so she stayed in the car. And just terrified, and just, just panicked her. And this is a lady who, who had functioned and raised children and, and, and had a life, and but, uh, but at this point in time, she was just so depressed and so out of it. But she would meditate on this text. And this got her moment by moment. She began meditating on this. And this God used this text to work a deliverance in her life and set her free from that depression. And she would read this text, and not just read it as a mantra, but read it, and each time she read it, she would focus on the next word. So the first time she'd read it through, she'd read, you, God of the universe, God Almighty, who's nothing is impossible, you will keep me in perfect peace as my mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. And the next time through, she'd say, uh, you will, you promise, you will do it. You are an assurance that you will certainly keep me in perfect peace as my mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. You will keep. You will hold me. You will not let me stray. You will not let me fall. You will keep me. Sustain me continually in perfect peace as my mind is stayed on you. And she went through the whole verse over and over again that, that way until she was at peace, trusting in God. And this is a powerful promise that applies to each one of us. And it's the way to become that righteous nation that keeps God's truth because it's God that keeps us. I like uh, reference to God's people, uh, Shomrei Shabbat, uh, the keepers of the Sabbath. And there's a, a saying that's, that's uh, we don't keep the Sabbath, but the Sabbath keeps us. Right? We don't keep the truth, it's the truth that keeps us. Right? It's God's truth, it's God who keeps us, who sustains us, who protects us, who's the, the walls of salvation for us. God, you will 
You've promised to. You will do it. And you will keep us. You will hold us fast, and you will hold us fast to you. And you will keep us in perfect, absolute, complete, perfect peace. Not a little bit of peace, not sometimes peace, but perfect peace. Not worrying about some things and anxious about a few things, but in perfect peace. We will be in perfect peace because it is God who will keep us in that perfect peace. Complete peace. We will have complete peace. And we will have complete peace through the storms that the following text will tell us that we're going to go through. He will keep us in perfect peace. As our mind is stayed on him. It's a choice to keep our mind stayed on him. This is Juanita had to choose to, to not listen to the depression, not listen to the negative thoughts, but to choose to keep her mind stayed on God. That's our part. God keeps us, and we choose to allow him to keep us. As we choose to keep our mind, our thoughts, on him, we'll be in perfect peace. No matter what the problem, there is no problem that we can face in this earth that's bigger than God. And so as we keep our mind, as we choose to focus on God, choose to focus on how he's delivered us in our past, choose to focus on how he's delivered others in the past, choose to focus on God who rules over the whole entire universe, nothing is impossible for him, and he loves us with an everlasting love, we will have perfect peace as we keep our minds on him. If we focus on the problem, we'll lose our peace. If we focus on him, Keep our mind, choose to stay our mind on him. We will have perfect peace, regardless of the circumstance. Because we trust in him. Not in the circumstances, not in other things, not in our abilities, not in other people's abilities. Not because things are going to get better in this world. But we have perfect peace as our mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. We trust in him who is able to keep us in perfect peace. We trust in him who is able to see us through the problems of this world. We trust in him who will open the gates for us, who will surround us with his salvation, who will keep us eternally as his children. As we trust in him that his word is truth and that his word is right and that his ways are right and his ways are the ways of salvation, both in this world and in the world to come. Because we trust him, we will be in perfect peace. Because we choose to keep our mind on him, we will be in perfect peace. And because he keeps us, we will be in perfect peace. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For Yah, the Lord, Yah is just kind of a uh, shortened version of the yud heh vav the Lord, is everlasting strength. For he brings down those who dwell on high, the lofty city, 
He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He brings it down to the dust. The foot shall tread it down. The feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. We can trust in the Lord because he is our everlasting strength. We'll have perfect peace as we trust in him because he's going to lay the the mighty city, the lofty city, the proud city, down low. Right? And so he's describing two cities. A city whose gates open to us. A city is who, whose walls are salvation. An everlasting city. A city of protection. A city of refuge. A sanctuary city. A true sanctuary city. A godly sanctuary city. And another city. A city who is lofty, who is proud, who is boastful, who is conceited, who thinks it's got its own ways, a city that thinks it knows better than God, people who think they, they, they have their own way, that they don't need God's word, that they can make their own truth, that they can manifest their own truth based on their own feelings and based on their own desires and based on their own thoughts. God's word says he brings it down to the dust. He lays it low. It'll get trampled over by the poor and the needy. And they will just walk right over it. And so, prophetically, in that day, God's city, the new Jerusalem, will be established. Its gates will be open to us. And the city Babylon, the city of confusion, will be laid low. That boastful city, that proud city, sits on high. The confusion that rules over the world today it is so amazing. I mean, just everything just seems like they call wrong right and they call right wrong. A confused world we live in right now. Absolutely. Just everything just seems so upside down. He will lay it low. He will destroy it down to the ground. He will bring it down to the dust. Verse 7, the way of the just is upright, almost high, almost upright. You weigh the path of the just. Yes, the way of your judgment, O Lord. We have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. So here we see a little bit of this battle going on between these two cities, pulling for our allegiance. The way of the just, that there is a way. There is a path, the way of the just, those who do just, who do what's right, who do justly. The way of the just is upright, moving upwards, moving in the right direction continually. The way of the just is upright, oh, must upright. God is upright. He is the most upright. And as we follow him, as we trust him, as he keeps us in perfect peace, he makes us upright as well. He makes our path just and good and straight. Yes, in the way of your judgment. We are dividing a judgment. In God's judgment, again, right and wrong. Truth and false. Good and evil. It's in the way of God's judgment. And we wait for him. We wait for him to enact judgment upon the lofty city. We wait upon him to 
to work his judgment and his salvation for us because of the strife and the battle going on. The battle between good and evil, the battle for our souls. The battle for the truth. And even those who say there is no truth or there's lots of truth or all truths are right, they're stating that that's truth. In their mind, that's truth. And if you disagree with them, well, then you're wrong because their truth says there's lots of truth. They're just as dogmatic about their faults as God is about his truth. Oh, Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name. So we're waiting for God waiting for him to work his judgment. And our desire, our longing, our heart, calling out for God's name to be exalted, for God's name to be heard, for God's name to stand forth, for God's righteousness, his glory to be revealed. As we remember him, as we keep our minds stayed on Remembering him. With my soul, I have desired you in the night, dark times, in troublesome times. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early for when your judgments are in the earth. The inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. So here again, he's talking about judgments, judgments taking place on this earth. The judgments of God are coming upon this earth as this earth is separating itself from God, denying him more and more flaunting a sinfulness before him, rebelling more and more. Our sole desire through the night times of this world, through the darkest times of this world, we will seek God and we will seek him early. We'll seek him now. We'll seek him now before the judgments come upon this world. We'll seek him now before the time of trouble. We'll seek him now while we have opportunity. We will desire him and we will seek him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. For God's judgments are coming in the earth. And it's through God's judgments that the world will learn what is right and what is wrong. It's through his judgments that he will make his way plain. It's through his judgments that he will enact upon those who have rebelled against him. And this whole world will be caught up in trouble. God's righteous judgment will be manifested in the earth. Verse 10, let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. So in God's judgments, the world learns about righteousness but it doesn't choose to accept his righteousness. God's grace is shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn the righteousness. They will reject it, they will refuse it, they will harden their hearts, and they will not accept responsibility for the judgments of God upon this earth, but they'll blame everything and everyone else. The land of the upright, he will judge. The wicked will judge unjustly. Again, as we live uprightly, as the just, the way of the just is uprightness, and we're living upright, 
The wicked will deal unjustly, and they will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Two sides. An immense battle going on. An immense battle for the minds and the hearts of the people of this earth. Two cities battling it out. The city of God and the city of the devil. Verse 11, the Lord, Lord, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see. But they will see and be ashamed for for their envy of people. Yes, the fire of your enemies shall devour them. Again, he's taking us through, taking us through the battle between right and wrong, between the righteous and the wicked, for truth and untruth. One wage not war with with swords, but with God's word, his flaming sword, God's sword of truth. The fire of God will devour the enemy. God's judgment will finally come down upon this world and will devour them. Fire of your enemies shall devour them. And the fire is their own kindling. The fire is their own unrighteousness. The fire is their rebellion against God. The rejection of God. Their hardened heart. Their resistance to God's truth. God's fire devours them. Completely and wholly. Verse 12. Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our work in us. This is a beautiful gospel text. Lord, you will establish peace for us. Again, that perfect peace that he promises. He keeps us in his perfect peace. Because it's the Lord who will establish. He will do it. And he will establish. He will set it up. And he will set it up strong and firm. Establish peace. And he does it for us. It's not just by sitting and emptying your mind. Meditating on nothing. And saying the same mantra over and over and over again. That we try and gain peace. If you look, you type in a picture for, you know, peace or something like that, and you'll see maybe a peace symbol. You'll see all these people just kind of trying to find peace by, by crossing their legs and, and, and emptying their mind. What happens if you empty your mind? Satan comes right in. The Bible doesn't talk about emptying our mind. The Bible talks about keeping our mind stayed on God. Not on some word over and over again. Focusing on God. The everlasting God. On vain repetitions. Focusing on the living God. Keeping our mind stayed on Him. He establishes peace for us. For you, God, have also done all our work in us. What a powerful text. All that we do, all of our work, any good that comes out of us is God doing it through us. For you have also done all our work in us. 
the Holy Spirit comes in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit manifests God's work through us. So the way of the just that is upright is not because of any goodness in ourselves. It's because God has come and dwelt in us because we have allowed him to, because we have chosen to allow him to. So any good deeds that come out of us, so someone congratulates you or thanks you for a good deed or something like that, gives you a compliment, he can literally say, praise the Lord. Because it was God who did all of my work in me. He did it all. So there's no boasting. There's no pride. There's no self-exaltation. There's no lifting ourselves up. There's no when we get to heaven and they ask God, you get here? Well, I did this, I did that, and I was pretty good at this. There's no one even saying, well, I surrendered all. I gave my heart to the Lord. I loved him with all. We will say, God did all his work in me. He did it all. He did it all. He did the sacrificing part. He did the forgiving part. And he did the sanctifying part of the living in me, the doing the good works in me as well. And if it is God who is doing all our works in us, how good will those works be? How complete will those works be? Will it be, oh, well, we can't do it, oh, it's too hard, and oh, God didn't really intend us to, or we're just sinners, and we're, you know, we're, we're too weak? We are. That's why we need God. That's why God steps in and says, you get out of the way, you lay low, you'll be dead, I will come and live inside you. And I will do all my work in you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is the same text right here out of Isaiah 26. It's the same Bible all throughout. One Bible, one theme all throughout. It is God who works in us. It is God who does all his work in us. Keep our mind on that. It'll keep us from being proud. Keep us from being lifted up. Because without him we can do nothing. But through him we can do all things. Because God done all our work in us. Verse 13, O Lord our God, Master, besides you have done dominion, because you have had dominion over us, but by you only we make mention of your name. Again, only by God. Only by God's grace are we even able to call out his name. Only by God's grace are we able to repent. Only by God's grace are we able to love him. Only by God's grace are we able to do anything and confess our sins. Only by God's grace are we able to come to him. You've had dominion over us. He's become Lord, Lord our God, Master. Besides you, you've had dominion over us, but only by you do we make mention of your name. They are dead, and they will not live. The others that had dominion over us, the others that tried to rule over us, our carnal nature, our sinful tendencies, our desire to do wrong, our desire to do evil. The Bible tells us we're all born perverted. We're all born with desires to do evil. 
It doesn't say, well, that's how you're born. Just do it, just live it, just go for it. It says, no. They will be dead, and they will not live. They are deceased, and they will not rise. The carnal nature dies. It will die in Messiah. Become anew and alive in God. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. When God devours, when God's judgment comes, when God destroys the wicked, he does it completely. He does it fully. He does it perfectly. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. The wicked will be gone. Those that have had dominion over us, those that have tried to rule over us, those that have persecuted us, those that have tried to oppress us, will be trampled under our feet, will be destroyed, devoured, and punished, and their memory will perish. Verse 15, you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders of the land. What nation? The righteous nation that keeps your precepts. God increases that nation. The nation that the gates are open to, the gates of heaven, the gates of the new Jerusalem are open to. The nation that keeps his truth, that glorifies God by allowing him to live out and do his work in us. Again, here throughout this chapter, what happens to the wicked? What happens to those who resist? What happens to the Hitlers of this world? Yes, they've had dominion over us for a time. Yes, they have persecuted us. Yes, they have killed us, martyred us. The path of the upright, the path of the just is upright. The gates will be open to them. And the wicked will be destroyed and will perish. God will be glorified in our lives. He will expand all our borders. The meek shall inherit the earth. The whole earth. Not a little sliver of land the size of New Jersey, surrounded by enemies. They'll inherit the whole earth. The wicked will be no more. Verse 16. Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastising was upon them. As a woman with child cries out in her pain, when she draws near her delivery... So have we been in your sight, O Lord. So again, trouble. Crying out. We're in trouble. We've been chastised. Like a woman in pain for her delivery. So have we been in your sight? Verse 18. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. time of trouble such as the world has never seen comes upon this world and the wicked are lifted up and lofty, lofty having dominion and mocking God and mocking his children and crying out where is your God if he is God let him come and deliver you if you are his children let him come and deliver you will be in travail where have you been, God? Where are you? We'll be crying out. And we'll look at, we have 
not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. What have we done, Lord? Where has our witness been? There's nothing but a remnant. There's nothing but a narrow path. And few there be who enter in. But the wide way, the way of destruction, filled. Lord, we haven't accomplished anything. Lord, we haven't done anything. Lord, we're in pain. Lord, help us. Then God speaks back to us with a powerful promise. Isaiah 26, verse 19. With a wonderful promise, your dead shall live. The martyrs down through the ages, they shall live. The persecuted people of God, the downtrodden people of God, the, the poor and the needy, the poor in spirit, your dead shall live. With my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as for a little moment until the indignation is past. We're going to go through an indignation, we're going to go through a tough time. But it'll be only for a moment. A little moment of time in earth's history. It'll seem like forever, but it'll only be a sliver, a moment of time. Hide ourselves in him. Hide under his wings. Hide under his banner. Trust in him. The shadow of the Lord's wings will cover us. And protect us. dead shall live. There's a resurrection day coming. Your dead shall live with my dead body. They shall arise. Since the Lord has arisen, we will arise in him. Since he has paved the way, because he is risen, we will rise. Those who dwell in the dust, awake and sing. Your dew is like the dew of the herbs. The earth shall cast out the dead. The dead in Messiah will rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air in that day. And thus we shall ever be with the Lord. The upright ones, the just ones, will go through the trouble. Some will die along the way. But the dead will rise, and we will rise with them. They will awake and sing. And shout for joy, because the Lord has come. Because he has risen, we have the assurance that we will be risen as well. Death is only for a moment. Death is for a little moment. The indignation, the trials, will only be for a little moment. He will keep you in perfect peace. Through that time, as your mind is stayed on him, as we trust in him. Our senses will say, there's no deliverance. Our eyes will see no hope. Our ears will hear no promise. Our bodies will feel no joy. But as we keep our mind stayed on him, 
He will keep us in perfect peace. He will give us the ability to obey His truth because He does all our work in us. He will keep us. He'll give us the ability not to yield, not to bow down. All the world will receive the mark of the beast. All the world will wander after the beast. The small remnant will keep their minds stayed on God and will be held upright and will not yield and will not fall. Like Michelle and Hananiah, Hesariah, uh, Mishael, and Hananiah. Okay, Hananiah. Standing in the fiery furnace. Or before that, standing before the idol and refusing to bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. Refusing to obey the command of the king. Threatened with persecution and threatened with destruction. They refused. They stood. The just stood uprightly. Bound up and thrown into the furnace. And untouched by the flame. They were in there for a little moment. And the Messiah stood with them. And they came out because he came out. No smoke could even smell on them. Nothing was singed. Their hair was not burned. Their clothes was not burned. Only the ropes that they were bound with were burned. God will see us through. God will take us through. God will give us the power to stand as they stood against the Babylon of this world, against the lofty city of this world. History will repeat itself in us. Verse 21, for behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. In that day, he will come out. He will come out of his place. He will come out of the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. He will come out of his throne room. He will come out. He will come back. He will come back as judge to do judgment in the earth. The Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth because of their iniquity, because of their sins because of their rebellion, because they have refused to obey his truth, because they have resisted his grace, because they have resisted his judgments, because they refuse to learn from them. And the earth will also disclose her blood and will, see, and will no more cover her slain. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming again. And he's coming with judgment. Coming to separate the sheep from the goats. Coming to separate those who have trusted in him, those who love him, with an everlasting love. And he'll let us go through the time of indignation. He'll let us go through the trials to burn out the chaff, to try us and test us. It's early when we seek him. Now is the time to seek him. Now is the time to find him. Now is the time to cry out to him. Now is the time to be experiencing him.
when those times of trouble come, when we go through little trials here, he will hold us fast and he will see us through so that when the time of trouble stops as the world has never seen, I mean, I don't think we can even wrap our minds around this. We read history, we read about the Holocaust, we read about other atrocities, other times, horrible things that happened in this earth. But a time is coming such as the world has never seen. Our trouble will be so troublesome. But God will see us through. God's promises, God's mightiest, and all the problems. No matter how horrible it is, God is mightier than it all. He will see us through it all. And when we look back, the indignation will only be for a little moment. And the dead will rise. Because he has risen. He will judge the wicked. He will trample them down. He will lay low that Babylon city. He will destroy it. The memory will perish out of our minds. We will experience everlasting peace. And the gates will open to us. And the righteous nation will enter in. So as we get to choose tonight, whose side we want to be on. May we choose to be on God's side. As every day and more and more, we are being forced to choose whose side we want to be on. As every day, we are being forced to choose whether we're going to stand by God's truth or yield to the pressures of this world. Yield to the influence of this world Who are we going to stand with? We believe God's word. Will we stand with him? Tonight, let us choose to stand by him. I pray in a moment. Ask God to keep you, to hold you fast. If you're troubled with something right now, if you're going through some little trouble now, if you're going through some problem that might seem very big right now, and you're not experiencing perfect peace right now, ask God to keep you in perfect peace. Ask God to stay your mind upon Him. If you're having a hard time even choosing Him, ask Him to give you the power to choose Him. Lord, I choose to allow you to choose you. Give you perfect peace. The trouble. I heard a story of a young lady. She was on a ship back in the days when ships weren't as sturdy as they were now. It hit a storm, but they had uh, uh, she had to pay for the cheapest fare, and so she was bunked up with five other women. Her husband was on the totally opposite side of the ship, bunked up with five other guys. The storm came rocking the ship. Water was coming in. Water was coming in even through their door. 
enter the ships and down into the rooms, down into the hall and into their cabin. Four of the five ladies there were just shrieking and promising, God, if you see us through this, I will serve you. I will surrender all to you. I will serve you with all my life. Crying and wailing. One girl, young, 18 years old, unafraid, trusting in God. The other ladies there marveled and said, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you afraid? Why do you look so peaceful? She said, my God has stood by me. My God has stood down through the ages. My God will stand by me now as well. And if not, I might as well seal my fate at the bottom of the sea as anywhere else. But she was not afraid. And the others marveled. The storm went on for hours and hours. Finally abated and the ship made it through. They made it to port. The young girl said, praise God. And the lady who said, I will serve you, God, to save us. She said, well, don't thank God. It wasn't God. It was this experienced captain that we have that sought us through that. To the young girl, Ellen, she said, weren't you just a few hours ago saying, God, I will serve you all my life if you see me through this? She said, ah, I don't have time for that. And walked out. But another lady said, the young girl, your faith has strengthened me. The peace that you experienced through that storm testified to me that there is a God. He was able to sustain you. He was able to hold on to you. I need that peace, and I want that peace as well. And that lady did surrender her life to the Lord. God is able to keep us in perfect peace. Going down with the ship down to the bottom of the sea won't scare us. Storms of this life won't scare us. The threatenings of this world won't scare us. Because God will keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed on Him. We need that perfect peace right now. When we pray, ask God to give you His perfect peace. Also, if there's some area in your life where you're not living the truth, you know the truth, you know what's true, you know what's right, but for whatever reason you haven't been following it. You've been disobeying God. Some of you one area, maybe just some certain area. You know the truth, you're convicted what is truth. And you want to surrender that to God right now, and you want Him to work His will in you. You want God to do all His work in you. You want God to bring your life into harmony, complete harmony with his truth. When we pray, you can surrender that area and receive his truth and receive him into your heart and mind and allow him to do his work in you and through you and for you. If you don't have assurance that your body will raise because of his resurrection, you're fearing death, you're uncertain of the salvation, and you want to enter into his gates, enter into his arms, and be surrounded by the walls of salvation, 
we pray. Ask God to save you, to forgive you, accept His resurrection, accept His sacrifice in your behalf as the assurance that you will be raised because of Him. If any of those areas or any other area applies to you tonight, we pray, ask God to work in your life. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful that you are on your throne. That you are over this world and you are over the universe and nothing happens without you seeing it and allowing it. And we are thankful there is a day coming when you will get off that throne and you will return and you will work judgment on the earth. And we are thankful that you have worked salvation for us. Yeshua, we're thankful that you died for us and we're thankful that you have been raised from the dead. That your dead body has risen and that you live and work in our behalf. And we are thankful that you will keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed on you because we trust in you. We're thankful that you do have truth and that you have a path, an upright path. Lord, place us on it and walk us in it. And Lord, we're thankful that you do all your work in us for your honor and for your glory and for your namesake. In Yeshua's holy name.